Hello, friends. Today is May 20th. This is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast. My name is David McAdam, and I am pleased to be your host on this leg of our journey through the 66 books of the Bible. This is the 140th day of our reading journey, and whoever you are and wherever you are, we welcome you to join us in the unfolding narrative of God's Word. In the Old Testament, the psalmist describes the benefit of continuing in the Word of God. He writes, The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple or to those who make room for it. Psalm 119, verse 130. In the New Testament, Gospel of John, Jesus says, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. We find ourselves in the book of 1 Samuel today, where we are seeing two powers in conflict, two kings. There is the reign of Israel's first king, King Saul, the natural man's choice, symbolizing in many ways the reign of the old nature of the first man, Adam, and we also read about the rising power of the divine choice of king, that is, King David, representing the reign of the nature of the second man, Christ, the anointed king. David was duly anointed by Samuel as king, but recognized only by a remnant, but that remnant will grow. We see how this also foreshadows that Christ Jesus the Lord is the duly anointed king, but not yet fully recognized. But the remnant of his followers are growing. One day, at his name, every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now these parallels are very imperfect, but they serve as types, purpose to encourage us as we see God's faithful hand at work in human history, ultimately leading to the summing up of all things in Christ, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. Today we will read of the final confrontation between David and Saul. We see Saul's progressive demise. The influence of the old regime weakens, and the influence of the new man gains strength and momentum. David's reverence for God and his sovereignty is seen in the way that he spares Saul's life and waits upon the Lord for His timing in bringing about all that He has promised. So let's open our Bibles and read from 1 Samuel chapter 26, beginning with verse 1. Then the Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is not David hiding himself on the hill of Hakalah, which is on the east of Jeshimon? So Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, with three thousand chosen men of Israel, to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul encamped on the hill of Hakalah, which is beside the road on the east of Jeshimon. But David remained in the wilderness. When he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness, David sent out spies and learned that Saul had indeed come. Then David rose and came to the place where Saul had encamped. And David saw the place where Saul lay, with Abner the son of Ner, the commander of his army. Saul was lying within the encampment while the army was encamped around him. Then David said to Ahimelech the Hittite, and to Joab's brother Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, Who will go down with me into the camp of Saul? And Abishai said, I will go down with you. So David and Abishai went to the army by night. And there lay Saul sleeping within the encampment, with his spear stuck in the ground at his head, 
and Abner and the army lay around him. Then Abishai said to David, God has given your enemy into your hand this day. Now please let me pin him to the earth with one stroke of the spear, and I will not strike him twice. But David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him, for who can put out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? And David said, As the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him, or his day will come to die, or he will go down into battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should put out my hand against the Lord's anointed. But take now the spear that is at his head, and the jar of water, and let us go. So David took the spear and the jar of water from Saul's head, and they went away. No man saw it or knew it, nor did any awake, for they were all asleep, because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen upon them. Then David went over to the other side, and stood far off on the top of the hill, with a great space between them. And David called to the army, and to Abner the son of Ner, saying, Will you not answer, Abner? Then Abner answered, Who are you who calls to the king? And David said to Abner, Are you not a man? Who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not kept watch over your lord the king? For one of the people came in to destroy the king your lord. This thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die, because you have not kept watch over your Lord, the Lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is, and the jar of water that was at his head? Saul recognized David's voice and said, Is this your voice, my son, David? And David said, It is my voice, my Lord, O king. And he said, Why does my Lord pursue after his servant? For what have I done? What evil is on my hands? Now therefore let my lord the king hear the words of his servant. If it is the Lord who has stirred you up against me, may he accept an offering. But if it is men, may they be cursed before the Lord, for they have driven me out this day, that I should have no share in the heritage of the Lord, saying, Go, serve other gods. Now therefore let not my blood fall to the earth away from the presence of the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to seek a single flea like one who hunts a partridge in the mountains. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will no more do you harm, because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Behold, I have acted foolishly and have made a great mistake. And David answered and said, Here is the spear, O king. Let one of the young men come over and take it. The Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord gave you into my hand today, and I would not put out my hand against the Lord's anointed. Behold, as your life was precious this day in my sight, so may my life be precious in the sight of the Lord, and may he deliver me out of all tribulation. Then Saul said to David, Blessed be you, my son David. You will do many things and will succeed in them. So David went his way, and Saul returned to his place. Chapter 27 Then David said in his heart, Now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will despair of seeking me any longer within the borders of Israel, and I shall escape out of his hand. So David arose and went over, he and the six hundred men who were with him, to Achish, the son of Moak, king of Gath. And David lived with Achish at Gath, he and his men, every man with his household, and David with his two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel, 
and Abigail of Carmel, Nabal's widow. And when it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, he no longer sought him. Then David said to Achish, If I have found favor in your eyes, let a place be given me in one of the country towns that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So that day Achish gave him Ziklag. Therefore Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. And the number of the days that David lived in the country of the Philistines was a year and four months. Now David and his men went up and made raids against the Geshurites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites, for these were the inhabitants of the land from of old, as far as sure, to the land of Egypt. And David would strike the land and would leave neither man nor woman alive, but would take away the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, and the garments, and come back to Achish. When Achish asked, Where have you made a raid today? David would say, Against the Negeb of Judah, or against the Negeb of the Jeremaelites, or against the Negeb of the Kenites. And David would leave neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath, thinking, lest they should tell about us and say, So David has done. Such was his custom all the while he lived in the country of the Philistines. And Achish trusted David, thinking, He has made himself an utter stench to his people Israel. Therefore he shall always be my servant. Chapter 28 In those days the Philistines gathered their forces for war, to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, Understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. David said to Achish, Very well, you shall know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, Very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. The Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel, and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other garments and went, he and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night. And he said, Divine for me by a spirit and bring up for me whomever I shall name to you. The woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the necromancers from the land. Why then are you laying a trap for my life to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? He said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God coming up out of the earth. He said to her, What is his appearance? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I am in great distress, for the Philistines are warring against me, 
and God has turned away from me and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore I have summoned you to tell me what I shall do. And Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done to you as he spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek, therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel also into the hand of the Philistines. Then Saul fell at once full length on the ground, filled with fear because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten nothing all day and all night. And the woman came to Saul, and when she saw that he was terrified, she said to him, Behold, your servant has obeyed you. I have taken my life in my hand and have listened to what you have said to me. Now, therefore, you also obey your servant. Let me set a morsel of bread before you and eat, that you may have strength when you go on your way. He refused and said, I will not eat. But his servants, together with the woman, urged him, and he listened to their words. So he arose from the earth and sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fattened calf in the house, and she quickly killed it. And she took flour, and kneaded it, and baked unleavened bread of it. And she put it before Saul and his servants, and they ate. Then they rose and went away that night. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament, the book of First Samuel. Now let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we have just read. The Ziphites once again report David's whereabouts to King Saul. In 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 19, and chapter 26, verse 1, King Saul takes his 3,000 men to the wilderness of Ziph. He camps out on the hill of Hakalah, where David is reportedly staying. Saul surrounds himself with his troops and falls asleep. A sound sleep from the Lord falls upon them. David and Abishai courageously invade Saul's encampment while they are sleeping. They find Saul fast asleep with his spear stuck in the ground next to his head. Abishai recognizes that this would be the ideal opportunity to kill Saul, saying to David, Today God has delivered your enemy into your hand. He asks permission from David to be able to kill Saul with one simple stroke to the head with Saul's own spear. But David said to Abishai, don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him. Either his time will come and he will die, or he will go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and water jug that are near his head, and let's go. 1 Samuel chapter 26, verses 9-11 through 11. Once again, David leaves room for the Lord to deal with his enemies. He gives evidence of his presence and his mercy by taking Saul's spear and the jug of water. We see that David is committing his way to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will do it. Psalm 37 verse 5 David respected the authority of Saul's office as king. He also respected that the Lord was sovereign and in charge of the timing of when Saul would be deposed from his office. David reprimands Saul's officer Abner for being negligent in his duty to guard the king and his belongings. Saul recognizes David's voice and has a moment of spiritual enlightenment, saying, I have sinned.
Behold, I have played the fool and have committed a serious error. In 1 Samuel chapter 26, verse 21. Saul's assessment of his life is sadly true. He has played the fool. God gave him an opportunity and resources to succeed. He had been given the Spirit of the Lord, the friendship of Samuel, the soul-soothing musician service of David. He had been given a valiant son in Jonathan and daughter in Michal. Yet he received the grace of God in vain. He was not faithful to use his gifts. He leaned on his own understanding and failed to obey the Lord. We hear David's heart to lean on the Lord as he longs to be attached to the inheritance of the Lord and to be worshiping the Lord in his presence. 1 Samuel chapter 26, verses 19-20 through 20. Saul acknowledges God's hand on David. Saul said to David, May you be blessed, my son David. You will do great things and surely triumph. So David went on his way, and Saul returned home. 1 Samuel chapter 26, verse 25, in the New International Version. In 1 Samuel chapter 27, David acts in fear. David talks to himself in his heart, instead of talking to the Lord. He speaks lies to himself. Now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should escape to the land of the Philistines. Do we tell ourselves lies? Sadly, David makes a series of poor decisions as he imagines the future of being hunted once again by King Saul. He rationalizes moving into the enemy's camp, serving the Philistine king Achish, the king of Gath. Achish gives David the city of Ziklag. David lives in the enemy's territory for one year and four months. Achish assumes that David will be his servant forever, since David is in such disfavor with King Saul. Achish asks David to join him in battle against Israel. You might ask, how did it happen that David ended up in the enemy's camp, siding with the enemy as they attacked God's covenant people? It is a great warning of how quickly we can be deceived. King Saul is desperate. He has no communion with God. He has no prophet or priest to consult, so he disguises himself to receive counsel from a medium, even though he himself had banned all mediums and spiritists from operation in the promised land. He asked the witch at Endor to call up the spirit of Samuel. Such sorcery and witchcraft are forbidden by God and condemned by Saul's own decree. The medium at Endor, who is accustomed to trafficking with demonic spirits and impersonating the deceased, is shocked when Samuel appears by the working of God's power. She cries out with a loud voice, recognizing the very real presence of Samuel. Samuel repeats the message that he gave to King Saul earlier, that he had torn the kingdom out of Saul's hand and given it to David. Samuel also proclaims that the Philistines would defeat his troops the next day in battle, and that Saul and his son would die and be joining Samuel in the afterlife. Now let's go to today's reading in the New Testament, the Gospel according to John, chapter 11, verses 1 through 54. John chapter 11, verse 1. The Death of Lazarus Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. 
Then after this he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you are going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit, and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. 
Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on they made plans to put him to death. Jesus therefore no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness, to a town called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. And this is the end of our reading from the New Testament portion, the Gospel according to John. The Lord at times allows us to go through experiences of profound darkness, experiencing the deep mysteries of pain and sorrow, so that he might make more perfectly known his power. We see this with Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Truly, if the Lord had been with Lazarus, Lazarus would not have died. But God, for his sovereign purpose, did not have Jesus on the same timetable as Mary and Martha had desired. Their brother, Jesus' friend, Lazarus, who had been sick, now died. Jesus says some things that could be misinterpreted as being heartless. He says, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. But then he explains that he was allowing this painful situation that they might believe. In John chapter 11, verse 15, When Jesus tells Martha, Your brother will rise again, she answers according to her doctrinal understanding of eschatology. I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day since that is what the scriptures taught in, in Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. She said, If you had been here in the past, my brother would not have died. He would have been healed. She had faith for the future and the past, but no faith for the present. Jesus says, I am. That is, I ever and always, past, present, and future, am the resurrection and the life. In John chapter 11, verse 25, he who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is a good question for us today. Do we believe who Jesus is? Do we believe him for what he can do in the present, as we can believe what he has done in the past or will do in the future? Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. Jesus proves that he is the resurrection and the life, by raising Lazarus to life. Far from being heartless, Jesus weeps at the tomb. He sees what an enemy death is. We cannot say with certainty whether Jesus was weeping tears of sympathy, tears of grief, or tears of disappointment at their unbelief. We do know that Jesus wept because he cares. Although Lazarus had been dead for four days, Jesus commands that the stone be removed from the tomb. Jesus reminds them that he promised that they should see the glory of God. He then raises his eyes and thanks the Father ahead of time for what he is about to do. Then he calls Lazarus forth. Lazarus comes forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings. Jesus commands the people to unbind him and let him go. 
people have a part to play in the work of Jesus calling dead people to life. We have a part to play in the work of Jesus calling dead people to life. As people are called from death to life through the gospel, new believers are often still bound in their grave clothes with habits befitting those who are dead to God. We need to help them by unbinding them with discipling care and releasing them to the Lord of the harvest and letting them go. Our reading from John chapter 11 closes with the Pharisees learning of Lazarus being raised from the dead. They want to kill Jesus and Lazarus. They fear that if people come to know Jesus, their jobs would become useless. Caiaphas unwittingly makes a prophecy. It is expedient for you that one man dies for the people and that the whole nation not perish. John chapter 11, verse 50. And this prophecy will be proved true, for Jesus will die on behalf of those people whom he came to save. Today we'll be reading from the book of Psalms, the Bible songbook, only one psalm with only two verses. Psalm 117, verses 1 and 2. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. In today's New Testament reading, we came across the shortest verse in the Bible. That is the English translation of John chapter 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. In today's reading from the Old Testament book of Psalms, we have just read the Bible's shortest psalm, Psalm 117. It has only two verses with a total of only 17 Hebrew words. It also has the distinction of being the middle chapter in the Bible, for it's the Bible's 595th chapter. It is also a call to Gentile nations. The entire world is called to worship the Messiah. It's a messianic psalm. It is quoted by the Apostle Paul in connection with the work of Christ in the New Testament book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 11. Both Jew and Gentile are called to worship the Lord on the ground of a fulfilled Passover in the future. That is because Christ is the Passover Lamb. Israel belongs to the nations and the nations belong to Israel because both are to belong to the Lord through the Lamb of God. The psalm opens and closes with the Hebrew word for praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The invitation goes out to the international community. The New American Standard Bible reads, Praise the Lord, all nations. Loud him, all peoples. For his loving kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord is everlasting. Praise the Lord. John Phillips writes in his commentary on the book of Psalms, quote, How the heart of our God yearns over lost men and women. He sees the Chinese, Cubans, Vietnamese, and his heart longs over them. They are seeking to build secular paradises on earth, motivated by the vision of Karl Marx, the vision of a man without God, brainwashed to believe that God does not exist, that all things result from the blind working of evolutionary force, that man is simply a social insect caught in the web of time. The psalmist calls them too, O praise the Lord, all you atheist nations. God sees the Europeans and Americans seeking a solution to the problems in humanism and materialism, in pleasure-seeking and money-making, in permissiveness, in drugs and drink. He sees lands once ablaze with gospel truth now wrapped in darkness. O oh, praise the Lord, O oh, Western lands! End quote. The psalmist uses another word for praise in the second part of the first verse, loud him. This means to sing or praise with a voice loud enough for everyone to hear. The second verse gives us the reason for praising the Lord loud enough to be heard far and wide. 
It is the good news of the gospel, his covenant mercy and truth. Salvation does not rest on sentiment. It rests on the truth of the shed blood of our sin-bearing substitute on the mercy seat, our Savior's finished work of redemption. The gospel truth of the Lord is everlasting. Now let's read from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 15, verses 22 and 23. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisers they succeed. To make an apt answer is a joy to man, and a word in season, how good it is. These Proverbs remind us of the value of circumspect planning with good advice and the value of appropriate speech. Now let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. You counsel us with these readings from the Old and New Testaments. We pray that we will continually commune with you in your presence and not lean on our own understanding and play the fool like King Saul. Give us a heart that is purely devoted to you. We respect your ways and your timing. Prevent us from getting anxious and taking matters into our own hands. May our faith be not only anchored in who you were and what you accomplished in the past and what you will do in the future, but may we have faith in who you are with us in the present moment as the resurrection and the life. In Jesus' name, amen. We have been given a lot to think about today. We trust that your meditation will be sweet as you take these divine disclosures to heart. God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow and we'll continue our Bible reading journey. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at podcasts at newlife.org. And if you'd like to know more about the ministries of New Life Community Church and New Life Fine Arts, you can go to our websites, newlife.org or newlifefinearts.org. God bless you and may His presence and glory be manifested through all you do and say today.